0: Thank you to Raise, presenting sponsor of this bonus episode, which forms part of African Tech Roundup's podcast mini series on digital assets. Raise is a Bahamian startup that's using distributed ledger technologies, aka blockchain tech, to build a platform which offers investors and everyday people easy access to liquid capital markets. To learn more about this offering and to discover how to digitize your company's assets, visit getraise.io. I'm Andile Masugu and joining me on this podcast is the CEO of TransUnion Africa, a subsidiary of the giant American consumer credit reporting agency TransUnion that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Prior to joining TransUnion Africa, my guest spent 18 years at Accenture, where he served as managing director of Accenture Digital in sub-Saharan Africa. Since signing up to lead TransUnion Africa in January 2017, he's been tasked with shaping the company's continental growth strategy. A process that so far necessitated the recruitment of key senior talent, major tech platform updates, and growing the firm's range of information solutions, all in order to keep up with shifting market needs. Do listen in, because this conversation offers useful insight into how a data-led legacy corporate like TransUnion Africa is grappling with the prospect of a future led by democratized technologies and open-source collaboration. This is an independent African Tech Roundup production. The opinions expressed by me, your host, and those of my guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the presenting partner, Ray's.
1: Hi, my name is Lee Nike. I'm the CEO of TransUnion Africa.
0: Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Lee. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Listen, to my mind, you're one of those companies that's fairly ubiquitous, but quite unknown i think on the street Uh, and and in terms of that genre i think of you know the likes of Thomson reuters for example who are everywhere technically but also you know on the low somehow so massive listed entity multinational all over the world but who the heck are you so explain to people who have no idea what transunion is and what it is you do uh, and what it is you personally get up in the morning to do or help or help do hit this company let us all in
1: Well, that's a broader question as you can get. So TransUnion is an information and risk services provider, which is complex in itself. Uh, For Africans or South Africans living on the continent, you probably know a, a, a company called ITC, right? ITC started in 1901 as the first bureau on the African continent. So globally, Africa's one of the leaders in the credit bureau industry. Very simply, a credit bureau, as you historically known it, is an entity that takes data of consumers and helps key players in the industry make decisions, typically as far as lending is concerned. So when you think about a bank lending you money, whether it's a credit card, extending your personal loan or home loan, they need to have a cohesive view as to who you are and whether you're worthy of the credit that you, they actually wanna give you. So that's been a play that TransUnion in its original form in South Africa, called ITC, has played for a long time. Uh, we, were, we were probably a monopoly for uh, the largest part of our existence. Between 1901 and 1993, we were the only player on, in South Africa. And what that meant is that ubiquity you spoke about earlier is largely the part of TransUnion's history, where in the DNA of most organizations in South Africa, they've worked with us to help figure out how they make decisions about their business. Since then, TransUnion in its South African form has become part of a global organization called TransUnion that exists in over 30 countries from mainstream Europe to North America, to India, to Canada, and a few other places. And we are truly an information and risk services player. What we're trying to do is help organizations make decisions about how they grow their businesses and how they make decisions about how they exist. More importantly, in a world where we have the haves and the haves not. We talk a lot about financial inclusion. A large focus of our organization is helping consumers and citizens make better decisions about their lives.
0: And so, what would you say is the oil in your business that sort of greases the machinery? You know, in the context of everything you've said.
1: Well, you know, Gartner for a while called data the new oil. But that oil has actually been changing for quite a while. Uh, I believe that data has is ubiquitous or will become ubiquitous. And the oil that Gartner referred to will be everywhere. In our business, we have figured out some intellectual property that overlays the ideas of our, in the data. So on one part, we have data that is becoming ubiquitous. So we spend a lot of time collecting what we call alternative data, non-traditional, non-financial data to help us understand people better. In the history of the banking and the financial economy more generally, all systems have been very, very traditional in how they go about making decisions. So understanding where Andile lives, understanding your behavior on social media, or understanding where your family shops or what university you studied at, these are all interesting things that could inform us to drive behaviors in financial inclusion. So our oil or our engine room comprises two parts. One, driving high quality data in the engine. Secondly, finding additional parts of the alternative data set that help us understand the consumer and commercial entities better and then taking proven IP from the 30-odd countries we work in globally and trying to bring that here. So when you combine alternative data with high-quality data and overlay intellectual property that's highly predictive of certain outcomes, that's the magic within TransUnion.
0: People who might not be familiar with your career might not know that prior to your role at TransUnion, you were at Accenture, a consulting firm. You left at a good time, I think, uh, when you consider just how hard the consulting business is becoming and given everything you've just said, how is what you're saying not essentially what McKinsey, Bain, Accenture, Deloitte, Thompson, how is it not what they're interested in doing or, or looking to corner?
1: That's a really good question, but answered in two parts. On the one hand, I'd spent about 19 years at Accenture, primarily in the technology domain. Uh, my my last job at Accenture was to head up Accenture Digital. So I helped create and launch the Accenture Digital business uh, on the African continent for Accenture. But when you think about digital transformation, it's one part having really big and bold ideas Another part of that is actually playing and accessing the data that makes these ideas real. You know, in the consulting fraternity or many organizations, accessing data is something that's hard to come by. As a credit bureau, TransUnion is one of the more privileged organizations that work under the National Credit Act that are allowed and entrusted to work with consumer data. When I think about the big ideas and my experience in transforming organizations and then given the custodianship of consumer data, which comes a lot of burden and responsibility, when I put that together, I feel that my experience in transformation and being entrusted with the customer data and business data allows me to rethink about problems but actually be able to execute on those big ideas. So it's a new phase in my personal career, but one that's allowing me to move into a world where data is now ubiquitous, where data is everything we talk about. And being a custodian of that allows me to ask the question, can I solve problems in the real world that surpass data or technology? Because in a world where technology is everything, we should care less about the tech and more about solving problems that matter for the country, for its people, and for the economy.
0: So... I think of you in your current role, and correct me if I'm wrong in, 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 terms of how, in terms of my understanding of this, when I think of the mobile telcos and the disruptive influence they've had in the financial industry, I see companies like TransUnion being similarly disruptive to the consulting business, for instance, which can't leverage swathes of data you know, sets garnered over the years. Data sets that, by the way, suddenly become far more attractive given all the technology we have today to analyze and repurpose to make decisions, deploy AI into it. Add to that, um, in your particular case, unique and legislated access to to consumer data. Uh, Why would I, if I were big brand X, you know, in the consumer space, in the retail space, still spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or more to quote-unquote consult for insights from, you know, the, the big five consulting firms when in fact you're sitting on everything?
1: What I would say is that the very notion of where work happens and where it gets consumed is changing. So one would expect to buy furniture at a furniture store or buy IT at an IT shop. These days, buying IT equipment, right, the biggest seller of Apple products, for example, is a bank. Right? So the entire concept of what was there 20 years ago has changed. In the case of TransUnion, how we think about our organization, we focus or laser focus on driving outcomes. Right? And when you think about the depressed state of the economy right now, and I can share a lot more data about the economy, in an economy that's under so much duress, finding outcomes is key. So whether it was transunion or consulting firm or a bank that could help drive that, that's what clients and stakeholders need. So we've almost demystified the concept of the work that needs to happen and says, here's the outcome you need. Let's focus our efforts around that. So as Simon Sinek would say, the why, the what, and then the how. No one really cares about the how. If you develop the the proposition, which is the what, that solves the why, which is the purpose we exist. And the purpose of living in South Africa right now is to help create the redress of a new economy, one that's only 24 years old, post-entering democracy. How can we create an egalitarian type society? How can we take large portions of the rural community and bring them into the financial mainstream? For us, for me as a CEO of TransUnion Africa, I'm laser focused on solving that problem. And if we focus on the outcome and deal, there's benefit not just for us as TransUnion, but for our clients, for the economy, and the citizens that live in our country. I feel like you've
0: stopped short of giving notice to to the industry. Um, It sounds to me like you are not interested in staying in the the lane TransUnion might have been known for, i.e. the go-to for credit assessment, credit consulting, whether as an individual or as a a firm. I think, by and large, um, lanes were quite well-defined in the past, and we have so many examples. You've named some of you know organizations that are content are not content to stay in their lane in your case it sounds like you're doing so in response to the new reality this new digital economy that we're we're now a part of but it must make for a very interesting competitive environment like who do you within the context of what you've said consider an ally a potential collaborator a client a competitor what's your filter for that
1: well my filter is there is no filter In a world that becomes one that's democratized, we start to think about something called a network effect business model or a platform-based business model. And what you'd find as you go forward is that high degrees of specialization are gonna happen across technology-enabled industries. There are things that we will do that are very good at doing. There are things that that we we may do that we're not so good at doing. We may partner to consume those services. And when you think about customer value propositions, you're going to find a scenario where you'll see one plus one is equal to three. In an era where we can't afford to do everything, as companies, as individuals, the partnerships will exist. So part of the mantra of TransUnion is, do things that are unique and highly differentiated. We don't try and do everything. So my focus in being here for about 22 months now is focusing on differentiation. In a world that's becoming commoditized, how do you stand out in a crowd? And when you do stand out, make sure that whatever you stand out with differentiates yourself. Because what you can't do is compete just to catch up.
0: I don't think that sort of rhetoric is commonly embraced in corporate South Africa or certainly co- corporate Africa when you observe how Safaricom behaves whenever they observe an apparent risk to their business model or even how the, the, the local mobile telcos in South Africa have reacted to the, you know, the over-the-top services that you know, have essentially into their margins or when you think of NASPERS and, and how they're petitioning regulators to do something about Netflix, banks and their response to non-financial services, fintech players, startups or mobile telcos who are turning fintech, et cetera. Are you finding homeboys and home women, home girls in the world of corporate Africa who think like that and are actually willing to come to the table, or is everyone suspicious of this former consultant turned CEO of arguably one of the biggest data companies in the world?
1: Well, I think not everybody's caught up yet, right and if you think about the world of commoditization, you can keep focusing on what you do every day. Unless your product evolves to drive relevance with us as consumers, you're going to become disrupted. Um, you know, 20 years or 30 years ago, we had one telco. Now we've got five telcos and we have banks pertaining to be telco. In fact, today, this very day, one of the banks declared a new MVNO that's being launched in the market. So the entire notion of what a telco is has clearly changed. And and in my former experience, one of the key things we learned was that, you know, to hold my relationship with my consumer, it isn't the product, it isn't even the price, it's how you make me feel. And when I think about your question, I ask myself, what is it that we're trying to achieve? We aren't trying to tell people that we've redefined as the new consultant or the new banks. What we're trying to say is we are hoping to solve very specific problems. You may not like me, but the outcome we try to put forward should be so compelling. It forces the conversation on collaboration and partnering. Now, it is true that you may put up walls around your organization, but those walls will never last. In a world of a democratized workforce, of a global economy, of a Africa that's now connected all over the world, where will banking come from? Where will telcos come from? The banks are telcos, the retailers are everywhere, and the disruption will continue. So our view is differentiate yourself, look to partner, but look to partner on a basis of value. When there's value on the table and dealer, Everyone's prepared to talk.
0: You know, we've talked about so far the potential disruptive influence you might be in the context of, you know, your corporate peers. I want to talk about the potential for macro disruption brought on by the internet as as Africans continue to come online and, and certainly by, you know, decentralized technologies uh, like blockchain technologies that are, you know, ushering in potentially a, a whole new dispensation of democratization in a way we've never seen it before. I see a tension between those forces and the world that has so far enabled a transunion to build competitive advantages on the basis of IP and digital assets that are protected by law. How do you see that narrative evolving in the context of your business and perhaps outside of it?
1: Well, I think one of the key things is that in the offline world we grew up in and have been living in for our entire lives, there's now the notion of a digital world, one that you can't see and feel and touch, but drives the economies. You know, most recently, I just got back from Colombia, who was asked to give a talk on financial inclusion in post-conflict Africa. And I applied my, la- my mind a lot to how Africa has actually been so successful in overcoming some of the legacy we've had as challenges. For example, we still struggle with fiber and copper connectivity in the ground, but Africa embraced mobile connectivity. We took 3G connectivity, as slow as it is in today's context, and we built connectivity across Africa. A country like Kenya created M-Pesa as a method of actually communicating from a currency perspective, an entire economy that shares money via mobile wallets. And not just the fancy smartphones, via feature phones, with the same Continent that gave rise to the creepy crawly in your pool, where the same continent gave rise to zipline that transport blood to the scene of accidents. So we're a continent that's actually on the cusp of disrupting global leading countries in terms of doing things. When you bring that back home to your question, whether it's blockchain or some other technology, I think Africa, given that it isn't always up to speed with some of the development in other economies, we have the ability not just to catch up, but to leapfrog them. So in my mind, I see the likes of TransUnion and other players in the industry, actually collaborating by breaking down the walls I alluded to earlier. I think solutions would require parts of established physical world businesses and digital businesses as well. When I think of blockchain, as per your example, there's a component of how ID verification in the real world will converge with having a solution authenticated in the blockchain world. As TransUnion and many organizations like ours, we are constantly working on products that bring these worlds together. Whether it is verifying a person using FaceTime or some of the camera on your phone and connecting that to an offline home homeland security type database or some other referential integrity we host that's part of the game so when you think about my business i don't think about tomorrow think about what will happen a year from now what will happen 10 years from now when data is ubiquitous when data is a commodity what are the problems that need to be solved and as a technologist that's been at the center of it i don't think about the technology I ask myself, what is the problem we're trying to solve? And if we laser focus on the outcome, technology will change, it'll come and go. And these are just building blocks of a problem you want to solve. And you may say, Lee, listen, this is, this is crazy. You know, you're thinking like a guy that's just crazy. I, not everybody is caught up with the fact that technology is not the answer. Tech is there to enable an outcome. And my mantra, my mindset, and the larger tranche in organization is, let's solve problems that matter. We're
0: taking a quick break to tell you a little more about the presenting sponsor for the series, Raise. Raise is a founding member of the African Digital Asset Framework, or ADA for short. ADAF is the first open-source software platform to create transnational standards for digital assets and distributed ledger technologies, in line with Pan-African development objectives. ADAF intends to complement the African Union's Single Africa Digital Market Initiative, which seeks to stimulate digitized Pan-African economic integration. Rays, along with Kotani and Alba.1, are proud to be co-trustees in and supporters of the African Digital Asset Framework. To find out more and to get involved with this groundbreaking open source initiative, visit adaf.io. That's A-D-A-F And now, back to the conversation. I feel, like many people, um, that there's a lot within our markets or even the way our economic system globally, or even on the continent, is designed and runs. Uh, baked In is a hang of a lot of engineered Friction, engineered complexity that is very lucrative to solve for, right? And so there's a lot that bugs um, proponents of. A different future, one that involves us as as citizens of the of the continent having far more agency over our data, becoming more enabled to transact peer to peer without intermediaries, being able to create digital assets, uh, capture value and and trade that value quite freely on the continent as far as intra-africa trade is concerned or anywhere else in the world and a lot of people view big business transunion included as really I wouldn't say unnecessary, but uh, solving for problems that were created in order to solve the problem. You know what I mean? Uh, And and to do so profitably. Like what what do you make of that very almost cynical, skeptical sense of the role of big business, the role of corporate in this new dispensation of, you know, decentralized assets, uh, creation and exchange?
1: Well, I think decentralization or maybe an equalization or an egalitarian society is the, the topic for today, in my mind. When you think about why would you talk about an egalitarian type society, the world you live in is now highly connected. One would argue that the trigger for us in South Africa was the year 2010 when we had the World Cup. We had a redundant submarine cable all around Africa which started the kind of movement to connect us, right? When I talk about leapfrog, right, earlier on, We were able to overcome challenges like physical distance by the use of technology. So if I think about myself having grown up in a township setting, going through a mainstream city required us to use public transport. Now consuming and delivering services that enable via mobile infrastructure that wasn't larger there allows us to overcome the physical challenges, the need for a physical infrastructure build-out. And that's my use of that.
0: Okay, so I have to I have to hand it to you. I'm glad you clarified that because there's leapfrog in the context of, hey, we have zipline now. Who needs hospitals? Who needs roads? And I feel like that's unfortunately, you know, when I travel, I'm invited to speak. That's the prevailing wisdom is that thank goodness Africa doesn't need proper infrastructure anymore. Thank goodness we don't need to figure out undersea cable infrastructure. Let's not even talk about Africa getting involved in the satellite business because, hey, we're doing... Okay. Uh, We've got free basics or whatever. And that's, and that's my issue with the whole leapfrog thing. We have free basics now, therefore who needs schools?
1: But like I said earlier, I may be quite utopian in my thinking that I want a better life for all. And I guess part of, the, of being a techie is that digital and technology allows us in its current state to actually redress very quickly and then leapfrog those physical challenges. So that's the point. Going back to your earlier point about decentralization, you know, I believe that some of the, the problems or the opportunities that present themselves today, opportunities that could be solved years ago, just the nature of business, the economy, the structure of the economy, and the nature of technology. And now that we have the technology, now that we have the opportunity, And when you start to talk about decentralization, I'd like to argue, though, that the nature of work is changing. And you know, quite a few of us, including myself, have strong views on the future of work and how the workforce will democratize and how work will happen in different silos and different virtual kind of schemes around the world. So I'm fully there. I think the need for business to coexist with entrepreneurs, and I'm a massive believer that the growth in our economy will come from the informal economy, from your micro entrepreneurs, from your larger entrepreneurs. I believe in that. So I'm, I'm actually a fan of a concept we call digital bridge making, right? And digital bridge making is one that says the larger business economy that ran the roost for hundreds of years, their very relevance requires them building a bridge. And I use the word digital intentionally because that's the easiest way to connect to the broader span of ideas and innovation. When I think about problems like putting out a shack fire in Kailicha, right, or sounding the alarm when a fire happens. Or if I think about the problems of, of seed in South Africa when you have a drought, these are really cool problems. Unless you're immersed in the problem, you won't come up with the right idea. And the guys that have the money don't always have the right ideas. The guys that have the right ideas don't always have the money. Let's bring them together. So in my mind, you're absolutely right. We've got to come together. It isn't a displacement of one over the other. It's a coexistence, maybe in future, All businesses are medium-sized, in quotation marks, right? No one really cares. What we really care about is how we come together in a collaborative mindset. If we believe that we're an island unto ourselves, then that's doom. That's the very, very same thing that had Blockbuster being replaced by, you know, Netflix, and that's going to happen all over again. So break down the walls that hold us to ourselves, break down the walls that prevent collaboration, and start to get over yourselves.
0: You must concede that this is not mainstream thinking within the context of big business, listed entities, the whole industry that's currently serving, quote-unquote, shareholder interests. I think there are people who, seasoned, seasoned sort of corporate operators, would listen to you and go, you're undermining our whole model.
1: My boss is a fascinating guy based out of Chicago. One of his most famous things he tells me all the time is, don't tell them, show them. And that's my focus. It's kind of like an underground thing. Why must I declare what is we trying to do? Let's do it. Let's show them. Let's show the value. And I'll give you an example because we've been talking about financial inclusion and democratization for quite a while now. We've tried to disrupt what we've done for the last 40 years in the country, uh, the very concept of how decisions get made. So we know that decisions favor a certain profile of person. If I look differently to the mainstream person, if I'm in a rural community, I may be able to afford, but the very notion of how decisions get made are held against me. So I mentioned earlier this concept called alternative data. We've spent a couple of years in South Africa collecting alternative ways to understand people. We've been building these underground type models, haven't spoken about it, but now we're at a point where we've built a model that's able to find another 3 million consumers for the financial sector that could not be seen before. It sounds crazy. We've been talking about it for a while. But as opposed to talking about it, we've been doing it and starting to show the results. It is my hope that years from now, when we think about the economy and the growth, I could say, as an organization, we were part of the movement that gave rise to growth in the economy. And what is growth? South Africa right now is in a technical recession, currently minus 0.7 in the last quarter. The African continent, and dealer is growing at 3.7%. So the potential of South Africa is a lot more than 0.7 or 1%, right? East Africa is growing at more than 10% right now. So when you think about that utopian idealistic outcome, we believe in that. We believe we can play a role regardless of how you define us. We need to show them and not tell them that the world has changed, that the economy has changed the structure of the economy has changed, and we all need to collaborate, bring differentiation in value, and show them that we can be different.
0: I, I suppose to give context to our listeners who might not be aware when you when you first came on board transUnion, yeah you you cleaned house, right you had to surround yourself with this type of thinking that would move things forward, and I think it speaks to you know your assertion that you know. Let's show them and not, you know, do, you know, you, you swept clean in that regard. You also made pretty bold technological decisions in terms of your IT infrastructure to basically serve this agenda. Give us all a sense of, you know, what that entailed and connected to, you know, some of what you've said before about, you know, rubber meeting road.
1: Well, so you know, I joined uh, January 2017 uh, in a business that was existing for 117 years, in one form or the other. Uh, the very notion of how the business was put together was in a very traditional manner. And as we speak about commoditization, it was a very, very clear intent on day one to think about how we differentiate ourselves. Indifferentiating ourselves, pointing in a brand new direction that could be maybe 180 degrees off what we've known historically, required change. So, over the last 18 to 20 months, we've actually made significant change. On the one hand, brought in leaders that believe in this broader bigger purpose that drives the organization we call that information for good so starting to have the right leadership that believes in making a difference and cascading that change through our people secondly um, transunion actually has had the oldest mainframe outsourcing agreement in the country uh, last, uh, probably a last few months ago, we had the chance to shut down that mainframe after being in existence for well over 25 years. Uh, and we met with our partner and we shut down that mainframe.
0: Oh my word, what was that like as a revenue loss for them?
1: That's a discussion for another day, yeah. yeah, <laughs> bet it is. But we moved on to a technology platform that's positioning us for the digital world. In a digital world that you've been talking about for quite a while, there's data that's flowing at a rapid pace. If you have all the data, but you can't use it to make timely decisions, you're no good. So we spent some time doing a technology change that's one of the first in the country, moving off a mainframe onto a new platform that's never been done the way we've done it. So it was bleeding edge. It took us some time to get it ready and stabilize. And now a year later after the change, we have the benefit of seeing a performance of over 700% in how technology works. So when your clients want decisions now, we can do it a lot faster than we did. Things that took us days to run takes us minutes and seconds. And that's powerful. So now we've got the people in place. We've got the technology in place, we've now asked the question, the products that we have, what we take to market, are they relevant for the problems we're solving? So as opposed to doing a thousand things, let's do eight to 10 things that create differentiation. And we've been laser focused these last 18 months. So whatever you hear from my team in the market on LinkedIn, on social media, these are things that few other people can do. We focus on things that differentiate and we're going to show and not tell. And that's a key part of how we organize our business. And I think we've done well. We're not there yet. We need to actually get some of the non-believers, as you said earlier, on board, and we're starting to engage and collaborate in new ways. So I have a great team, we have good momentum, and we're starting to make a difference, not just to ourselves and our shareholders, but to the broader economy. And for me as a South African, that's the biggest part. In my new role, can I lead an organization or part of an organization that's making a difference to South Africans as citizens, South Africans as large business, and South Africans as an economy?
0: Let's talk about individuals within the context of, of the digital economy. I think we're living in an unprecedented time in the sense that, I don't know, that 10, 15 years ago, I had any right, never mind the sense, to to think I could uh, compare my interests as an individual citizen, you know, my rights and my and my ability to assert those rights in as far as digital economy is concerned, I'm trying to think if I had a, a, a means or even the language to frame how TransUnion and I are actually equals in, in regards to, you know, your right to assert as a company and to promote growth and and pursue profit, and that my rights were just as important. And so given that, I want to talk about what I perceive as a couple of different things that happen. You have multinational, mostly big tech firms, you know, the likes of Facebook, Google, We've been very critical of them on the show for when it suits them, minimizing the, the importance um, of citizens like me coming to appreciate just how important our digital IP is. Um, and that's a mistake a lot of them are trying to rectify, to be fair to them. But then there's also, you know, startup founders, particularly in the world of fintech. It was a big sort of investment trend in early stage investment right now. And then a, a whole range of other uh, investment interests, you know, uh, traditional or otherwise, who argue that in exchange for this scraping of data or surrendering of data, this transaction we have with them, that in fact it is a transaction, that every time you allow us to to sort of scrape your phone or scrape your bank account or your mobile phone account uh, for data, we are giving you so much value in return. And our decision to do this is justified by the fact that we are exchanging real value in exchange for your data. Now, my problem with that is, Will I not from 10 years from now get to a future where I look back on all this and realize that I sold you essentially all the most valuable aspects of my digital IP as an individual and unwittingly allowed a trans union, a Thompson, a Facebook, a Google to concentrate and really just own the rights to commercial monetization?
1: So. I guess my perspective on data privacy is well considered within the context of PoPIA and and the GDPR. So so we as TransUnion work on something called the National Credit Act and our regulator is the National Credit Regulator everything we do has to consider the likes of POPIA, GDPR. I've done a lot of research over the many years I've worked in technology around the concept of agency of data and the, the, the likes of commensurate value when you consider agency of data, the consumer and the corporate. I believe that more education must be done in educating consumers on this balance between value. And I guess your big question is, did I make a decision at a point in time that I would regret 10 years later? And I,
0: exactly, yeah.
1: That's an, that's, an, that's an ongoing debate about the commensurate value, but I do think a large part of the global movement on protection of personal information will give us personally greater agency over our data as consumers. When you think about agency of data, we'll have to make an informed choices. In a global macroeconomy where things are tough and things are changing from a structure perspective, It'll be an ongoing debate around what I'm prepared to give up. What's interesting, and the research I've done over many, many years in my former role, is that people are prepared to give up access to their data in return for value. The primary concern, which I think POPIA has really well captured in South Africa, is what happens to my data after it's used by the primary processor of the data, and I like Poppy and I like what GDPR tries to achieve by saying that the processor that's been given access to the data has a lot more obligation on them to get this done properly and protect the rights of the person. Now, with the global flow of data and the number of players, the unstructured players like the Facebooks, Apples and the Googles and the unstructured the players, the banks, the telcos. And be, government, I guess. And government. There'll be a lot of movement and evolution of this. But I think everybody's trying to figure out what are the rights of the consumer and how do you best maintain it? Are we there yet? Is it perfect? No. But I think there's great intent in the local regulation, and at least in the registration put up by the EU in the form of GDPR, that's giving us greater confidence that the balance will start to balance out over a period of time. And
0: do you think as an, as an individual like me, is my best bet sort of Uh, lobbying local regulators. And in terms of protecting my interests or having people protect my interests, you guys are well-resourced to do that yourselves. And to be fair, within the context of this debate, the likes of a transunion, your model doesn't monetize me as a user necessarily, right? You add value and and monetize that value in different ways. But how do I protect my interest in a way that allows me to take someone like you guys on in the sense of like, I want to -to toe-to-toe, you know, make sure our value exchange is fair.
1: Well, my advice is is a couple for one, be cognizant when you give up your access to data. When you click on a button that says, uh, the provider will have access to the data ask yourself are you comfortable with this data living out on the internet and make the assumption that once it's there you can't undo it right so that's something to think about the other thing we do as TransUnion is we provide credit reports to individuals I'd like to urge the listeners of your show to actually go and get their free credit report once a year see what's on it a large part of what concerns South Africans is that they actually don't know what's out there they don't know what accounts they have and and our role as a responsible corporate citizen is to say encourage the people to get access to their reports, know what's out there. And when you start to know, you start to get the knowledge. And knowledge is in fact power of gaining back control.
0: Okay. As good a place as I need to put it down. Lee Nike of TransUnion Africa, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me.